Hello and welcome to Dialogue, the Diapoint podcast. I'm your host, Pam Durant. As many of you know, back in 2020, before lockdowns and talks of COVID and social distancing and things like this, we were planning the first Diapoint diabetes picnic. And we had to put that on hold because it was scheduled for about the end of February, early March 2020. We went into lockdown. And we all thought it would be just a temporary thing like everyone else in the world and that we would continue and reschedule in a few months. But that didn't happen. So I decided at the end of the summer in August before kids were going back to school virtually that we have a virtual picnic. And we got our guest speakers together and some people that were scheduled to attend and had these amazing, very rich um, discussions online and invited people from around the world. And in some ways it was better because we were going to meet face-to-face in Dubai, but opening it up allowed us to have other people speak and have other people attend. One of the, or if not the most popular session from that online picnic or the virtual family picnic was our type 1 diabetes super panel, our superpower panel. And it's still on our website, the recording, it's still listened to a lot, but there's so much in this discussion that it is worth listening to again, and it's really worth having on the podcast. So I Before I get into the interviews happening in season two, I thought this would be a wonderful way to start the the year because the the discussion is just so, it could have gone on forever, as I said in the interview. It's just so deep and so rich. Everyone talks about, you know, what it's like to be, how they are a diabetes ambassador and advocate, the rights of people living with diabetes, how it's important to connect with people with diabetes, A lot of them give positive perspectives on diabetes. They talk about diabetes as a superpower, diabetes and social media, the stigma of diabetes, day-to-day management, diabetes burnout, hypers and hypos, um, getting medical and professional support. And then they also answer a few questions from some people that attended. It's such a great discussion and very inspiring. And on that panel, we have... Mohammed Sayam, who is in Palestine. We have Mohammed Al-Bahar from Kuwait. Serene Farhat from Lebanon. Noor Al-Rama, who is from the UAE, but she woke up at 5 a.m. in the U.S. to speak with us. It was pretty amazing. And Yasmin Al-Shalabi, who is a Palestinian, also living in the UAE. And I hope that you really enjoy this discussion as, as much as I did. I went back and I listened to it again Um, and it's just perfect as it is no edits, no nothing. And everyone was so real and forthcoming and, and open about their lives with diabetes and and opinions and, and other things. So have a listen and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, hello everyone. And thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Pamela Durant and I am the founder and managing director of Diapoint ME. And I am super happy to be here. And we have a very exciting panel um, lined up for you today. A little bit of background about how we got, we got here. I scheduled a face-to-face event back in March and we were planning it. We had a lot of exciting things planned. It was going to be held in Dubai. 
And then COVID came to town and we had to postpone and COVID is still in town. And we don't know exactly, you know, when we all might feel comfortable um, coming together face to face with diabetes for an event. So I thought, what better time than to do this virtually? And actually, one of the added benefits is that we have more people joining us from other locations and not just here. Um, so thank you, everyone, for joining. I really appreciate this panel. It's really special to, I think, everyone joining because we are all somehow touched by type 1 diabetes. Some people that are attending are type 1 themselves, or if they're like me, they might have a child with type 1. So thank you so very much. And we will have joining us today, Mohammed Al-Bahar from Kuwait, Mohammed Sayam from Palestine, Serene Farhat from Lebanon. Uh, we'll have, whoa, it just shifted, sorry about that. Yasmin Al-Shalabi, who is in the UAE. And we also have Noor Ramai, who is from the UAE, but Noor is in California. And I think it's like 5 a.m. or something her time. So. Thank you so much for, for joining. And Mohammed Al-Bahar has to leave early to go to another call. So I would like to start with him. And I'm going to ask everyone to introduce themselves. Um, tell us a little bit about your story and, and your advocacy and what you're doing and anything else that you would like to share. My name is Mohammed. I am uh, 36 years old, living with diabetes for 34 years. Uh, no complications. Uh, I have um, an advocacy account for type 1 diabetes called the Diabetic Traveler. In 2014, I established the Diabetes Ambassadors Program, which is, uh, in the beginning, it was an advocacy educating schools about what, how to treat type 1, how to know the symptoms, the early symptoms of diabetes, hypos and hypers. Then we started to extend to work on laws and regulations to protect the rights of people living with diabetes, as well as doing workshops for parents, adults, teenagers living with diabetes. That's in brief uh, what I'm doing. I also participated in global challenges to raise fundings and, uh, and challenges to show that living with diabetes is not a burden or a liability. Amazing. Thank you so much. And if you haven't seen it, Mohammed has an amazing TED Talk that if you just look it up and, and find it, um, it's very inspirational. So I highly suggest you go find that. And Noor, you are the next one to the right of Mohammed. So I will go to you next. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, sorry if my, my voice sounds like I just woke up because I just woke up. Um, yeah, so my name is Noor. I was diagnosed when I was five years old. 27 years ago, I was born and raised in Abu Dhabi. So I kind of started my my journey there with diabetes. And um, I, I volunteered with Sheikh Hanifa Medical Center, the diabetes clinic, um, with helping new newly diagnosed uh, families. And then I uh, started volunteering with the children with diabetes organizations as part of their youth staff for their Friends for Life uh, conference. And from there, I became, I became a faculty and speaker. I've spoken on topics uh, that include type 1 diabetes and pregnancy, type 1 diabetes and eating disorder, and parenting with type 1. Uh, I'm a mom of five-year-old twin boys. I live in California currently. I've, I've worked with the ADA um, organization, JDRF, um, and, a, and a local um, nonprofit diabetes organization called CARB-DM. 
Uh, I also, after leaving CARB-DM, I moved to Stanford Medical Center where I worked in diabetes research, focusing on diabetes technology, uh, mainly closed loop systems. Um, and two of my main projects were the uh, 780 Medtronic closed loop system that's supposed to hit the market hopefully next year, um, and the Tandem Control IQ a closed loop system. And uh, I'm now focusing on med school, hoping to get my nurse practitioner degree, uh, focusing on high-risk pregnancy, specifically type 1 diabetes and pregnancy. And uh, yeah, uh, like you mentioned, I live in California. I've been in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area for the past almost 10 years. Um, I live with my husband, my two kids. Uh, a dog, a cat, a bearded lizard. And one of my um, main hobbies is powerlifting. Um, I'm also part of a um, pregnancy diabetes uh, group called Sugar Mamas. And I've uh, struggled with eating disorder. I've been in recovery for uh, almost 11 years now. And I'm also a mentor with an organization called WAD. We are diabetes and we mentor people with diabetes that are in the recovery, um, eating disorder recovery phases. Um, so yeah, that's a bit about me. A bit. Um, that's wow. I mean, I think all of you are extremely busy and I really appreciate what you do. And I wonder if you all sleep because what, what you're all doing is, is amazing. So thank you for that. Yasmin, you're the next one at the top of my screen. So can you please introduce yourself? Um, hi, everyone. My name is Yasmin. Uh, first of all, thank you all for being here today and taking the time. Either you have diabetes or you are a parent of one. This is, uh, this is one of the major things that we diabetics, people living with diabetes love, is meeting uh, others and connecting. It's our main uh, goal in everything that we do. Uh, my name is Yasmin Shalabi. I am Palestinian living in the UAE. Uh, I work as a product specialist here. I am as well a yoga instructor and an NLP life coach. I've been very active with the diabetes community starting uh, when I was when I used to live in Jordan. We had an initiative there to help uh, people with diabetes in need. It's called Your Device is My Life. Um, we would provide them with the required test strips and emotional uh, support every month. And we would go on awareness camp uh, campaigns uh, to test uh, random blood sugar for people in the public and raise awareness in universities, schools, and public places in Jordan. The initiative actually won the uh, number one initiative in Jordan in 2013. And then I moved from Jordan to the UAE, and I have a full-time job. Um, I have my page on Instagram where I try to raise awareness in, uh, in the Arabic language. I think we lack that a little bit in our region, so I try to raise awareness. I am also a dietitian, a diabetes educator, um, and I use an insulin pump for my therapy. And that's almost everything, yeah. Great. And, and also, Yasemin was my key touch person to bring everyone together. So I want to thank you again for, for helping us to do that. And I, I do also agree with you that there needs to be more resources in Arabic. So I would love if you all could come together again and do this in Arabic. I won't be the facilitator because my, my Arabia is very, very little. However, well, I, I think it would be great to, to do that, to, to reach more people. 
Well, even if anyone here today would like to ask anything in Arabic, yes. we can always translate. We're all very fluent in both languages, so it would be okay. Yeah, absolutely. Please do. If you want to ask in Arabic, that is perfectly fine. You can either write it in the chat, um, or if it's easier maybe in Arabic to, to speak the question, that's okay. Um, and then for English, write questions in the chat, or we can certainly open it up for questions after. Thank you. Uh, Mohammed, Sayam. Yeah. Hi, everyone. I, I was hoping everyone is doing fine. And thank you again for this opportunity, as Yasmin mentioned. Uh, my name is Mohamed Siam. I'm 21. I'm the youngest of the five. Yeah. Uh, I study medicine here in Gaza, Palestine. And uh, I've been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in 2011, February 2011. It's like nine and point five years now, nine and a half years. Currently, I am the young leader in diabetes, uh, representing Palestine uh, in the YLD program by the International Diabetes Federation. And so we do a lot of uh, campaigns, raising awareness campaigns here. Um, we've conducted a, a diabetic camp last year. Uh, and by accident, I just noticed that today was the anniversary, the first anniversary of the camp. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I also have... Uh, an Instagram account that I raise awareness on, also in Arabic, as Yasmin mentioned. We have a Facebook group called Positive on Glucose. You guys have heard the name before. Or Serene would talk about it, I know. And uh, yeah, this is basically what I do. Yeah, from medicine to diabetes. And this is simply my life. Right. And what are you studying in medicine? Your specialist? Uh, I'm, I'm still. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm still in a general medical school, in medicine school. Then, uh, yeah, you know, I'm still young. Then I am planning to study endocrinology. I want to be a, I want to help diabetics more. So, yeah, hopefully this could happen soon or sooner than I think. Yeah. I don't know when. Lockdown, we do nothing these days. Wow. Yeah, it's hard to know, but I'm sure this will be behind us someday and you'll make an amazing endocrinologist. Wonderful. Is uh, Serene here yet? I don't, I don't see her. Okay, so whenever she joins, we will have her introduce herself. And I want to be mindful of the time because... Oh, is She's she there. Where She's is she? She's available. Oh, there you are. Okay, welcome. I didn't see you when I was scrolling through. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Um, I'm sorry, it took me like um, five minutes extra to be here. Uh, I've been on the road ever since morning, so um, should I just start introducing myself? Yeah, please introduce yourself. Thank you for taking the time. It doesn't matter that you know you're you're late or whatever. You're here. That's what counts. Okay, so um, hi everyone. Um, I'm Serian, or also known as Positive on Glucose. I'm Lebanese. I'm 28, and I've had diabetes since um, 2006. Um, I have been happily blessed with diabetes. Um, I started the, my Instagram account, Positive on Glucose, when my dad got diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And after a dad's friend committed suicide because of complications like related with diabetes. And that is when I thought that we needed a community that loves diabetics and makes them take like a positive outtake or perspective on diabetes because we lack that. Uh, that's how the community started. I just wanted it to be a place where people can express whatever concerns they have, and they can get the chance to see other diabetics excel at life, regardless of their diabetes, and just take it as a superpower instead of a burden. Um, I went on from that to become um, 
81 International Global Insulin Advocate. So I advocate the, la the right of access to insulin uh, because insulin is a human right and no one deserves to have to choose, deserves to have to choose between having insulin or putting food on the table at a certain point. I'm also a, a Blue Circle Voice member with IDF um, and I'm an angel mom, um, not because of diabetes, because of another pregnancy complication. I love saying that out loud because people usually associate baby loss with diabetes and I don't want that. It's something, it's not related. Just because you're diabetic doesn't mean that you can't have children. So I try to raise the voice about that. Recently, because of the lockdown and the COVID, I started two uh, initiatives and I'm, co I'm kind of now also co-founding one in the process. One is Baby Loss LB to help mothers who have lost babies to cope with their anxiety and stress and postpartum. The second is Innovatively Yours, which basically helps people who have lost their jobs during COVID to use whatever skills they had or have to start a business and make money. The third is um, Insulin for All Lebanon, where we are collectively trying to raise money and donations to help people in Lebanon who have been affected by the blast and cannot or lack access to their basic medication or diabetes needs. So that's kind of everything I do in a nutshell. I hope I wasn't too long. <laughs> no, no, no. That's amazing. Again, all of you are doing so much and I think your work is so valuable. I don't know how you sleep um, because truly it's, it's amazing. It's more than what your, I say, you know, person without diabetes might be doing. And I think I do agree with you that diabetes is a superpower. And I always tell my son this often because it really is. And I, I get to meet the most amazing people because of diabetes. And, and you all are so, so very inspiring. So one thing I want to ask, you know, each of you, you could just answer what was kind of the, because obviously a diabetes diagnosis at any age is, is not easy. And even if you were diagnosed when you were very young, maybe you don't remember your diagnosis. Um, like my son was 20 months old, so he doesn't really know life without it. But, you know, there will be times in his life where he'll find it challenging or he doesn't want to deal with it or doesn't want to have it or whatever. What was kind of the turning point in your life when, when you said, you know, that really changed you and made you want to, you know, be, become an advocate and do what you do? And Serene, you touched on that a little bit about why you started your Facebook group and things like that. Was there anything else? Um, I'll start with you, Serene. Was there anything else that contributed to, to what, you, what you do or how you manage your diabetes or when you really embraced it? Um, I think I really made, I started to make peace with it um, maybe five years ago. It's a journey. Like, um, it's, it's very challenging to accept that you have this and you have to love it. And once you start loving it, it's kind, it kind of starts loving you back because you will not really manage it well until you embrace it. I've always like, I was helped by an, an NGO when I was young and couldn't afford my medication, but I always felt like I needed more. Like diabetics are not supported enough. There's no, like, there's no community. There's like, I, I didn't know any diabetics five years ago. I've never had any diabetic friends. So all of these things kind of triggered me to kind of okay there's a gap here and there and I have to do something because if I don't who will no one has done that yet and that kind of um always put it in the back of my head I only took action once my dad was diagnosed and I saw another um, person's dad suffer it I was like I have to do something like I can't just stay there sitting doing nothing and I literally created the page when I was super angry like I was super angry and just turned that into something 
خلاص I need to do something here I need to work on it but I have to say it's a process like you don't really come to terms with, the, with your diabetes 100% there's always that 1% where you say why me or this is tough or not today I don't want to deal with it today but at the end of the day you have this there's no alternative you have to live with it in the most positive way you can because if you don't there's a lot of at risk so yeah that emotional charge sometimes can really make it you know turn into something constructive and it was good that you placed it there uh mohammed al bahar because you will have to leave us soon but i hope not i watched your ted talk so i know a little bit about kind of you know your story around that but can i ask the same question to you when kind of did you start embracing your your diabetes and start doing all of the things that you're doing living with diabetes is um we have to define the relationship between us as people living with diabetes is that diabetes doesn't define us we we have to know that diabetes is part of us but i think part of the culture and part of parents is the first question being asked is how is your diabetes always the evaluation is if i did good if i had good bgs i will be a good son if i uh, behave bad that means related to diabetes so everything is related to diabetes everything is connected to diabetes and that actually helped in the process of me not accepting it me not accept- mm. accepting it during puberty because during puberty you have hormones and you're growing and nobody accepts himself or herself going through puberty but i know some people do accept themselves during puberty but i wasn't this type of a person who does and um i had a very good relationship with my doctor she had to leave she had to go to back to cairo because she had an ailing husband that she needed to be um helping and supporting so uh, in 2011 i went to a severe hypocoma i seen like um really an imaginary kind of a vision and when i woke up i said um, i'm 28 years old i should be in charge of my diabetes and so on but i didn't know how then i took some courses related to diabetes and i met other people doing that and the acceptance started to be is is me accepting my diabetes then started me accepting myself as a person rather than the other way around so it was like you bring a vase and break it and then you start to uh, collect the 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 damaged items from the upper uh, outer side to the inner side so it's it's like a big explosion that you need to tackle and need to uh, uh, observe at the same time you know it wasn't easy was it challenging yes it was challenging but because i did it by myself i had my friends with diabetes but still when you go back home you're doing it by yourself you're you're struggling your own demons you're struggling your own diabetes you're struggling your own thoughts when you change your medications and so on and i i've been like i've been accused of me not being responsible because i'm changing my meds because the new meds are not causing me to have frequent hypos and when i was using a pump i was accused of me being spoiled or me just making trying to draw attention but actually my doctor subscribed for me the pump to to uh, have because i used to have frequent hypos i used to have 6 to 7 hypos per day and i couldn't exercise i couldn't drive and then when i drive i have a hypo and my life was an, on a pause and you're just knocking and hypo knocking and hypo and then i realized it was more emotional rather and psychological rather than diabetes and medication. Mm. That's a lot of very good advice that you give within there especially for for parents I think it's so important because sometimes we forget everything becomes about the diabetes, right? 
And even though I think I'm not asking so much, I'll ask my son, I'm like, how's your blood sugar? And he's like, it's happy. It's sad. It's, you know, he, he won't answer with the number. And then I know he's kind of like, okay, he doesn't really want to, he gives me an answer, but he's tired of answering it. So time to, you know, back off and maybe not talk about it right then and there if we don't really have to. Um, yes, me. Um, I think I missed in the introduction to say that I was diagnosed at four years old and I've been living with it for 24 years now. I'm 28. Uh, the turning point for me was in 2012, where I, similar to Muhammad, I got into a hypo while I was sleeping. So um, I'm the kind of uh, I'm the kind of person with diabetes who, when goes into a hypo um, coma, I go into a seizure as well. Uh, which caused me to bite my tongue in a very bad way. Um, I only remember waking up in the hospital, asking very weird questions because for some reason, uh, I don't know what happened while I was in the coma, but for some reason I thought I was back at 18 years old or 17 and I was living in another country, so that was funny. But when uh, after after this happened, I used... I used a lot of test strips and I used a lot of medications and everything. And I'm, I'm, I want to say I'm privileged and God gave me a lot of blessings because my family could afford it. And I had a supportive family at that time where they, they were there for me, frontline, making sure that I got through what I went through at that age. Um, but in a, on a subtle level, I always felt that I'm, I felt like I was kind of privileged that I can, that I have that and I needed to help others. So that's when the initiative in Jordan started. And that's when we started raising awareness about diabetes on a subtle level. I think, and in a subconscious level, I always felt that I wanted to connect to more people who have diabetes because the 1% that Sirin talked about where you still have this question of why did it happen to me? it becomes much, much easier to handle day to day when you have people to talk to. When you have a community that really understands when you say, I have a hypo or I have a hyper, because as much as your parents, your spouses, your children would like to understand how a hypo or a hyper feels like, it's just, it's not the same. <laughs> That's true. Absolutely yeah. true. So connecting with, with like the panel that are here today, who are all very close friends, it, it has been, honestly, even at 28 years old, it has been a game changer for me. So yeah, that like the, the coma that I went through, the seizure and the trauma there, that's what caused me to reach out and do more. Yeah, it's, I think it's so important for people to meet other people with diabetes and it, it really, it puts a lot of things in perspective and it really changes it because it's one thing for your doctor who doesn't have diabetes that's, you know, studied it to tell you to do something. But it's also very difficult, I think, probably to relate to that. And if you can, you know, you share your stories, you share your experiences, you learn from each other, but just for other people to meet you exactly where you are and know exactly what that feels like, I think is so critical. And that's why I love the work that all of you are doing and, and that you all also do it together as well um, is, is really great. Mohammed, do you, other Mohammed, do you have anything to add to that? Um, okay, so um, 
I was diagnosed at school. I was at school at the time of my diagnosis. I got turned. Uh, the main problem was like, you know, the three Ps, the polyphagia, the polydipsia, and the, I went to the bathroom a lot, a lot. Like uh, uh, I asked the, uh, the teacher to go to the bathroom two times in 30 minutes, which was crazy. So he just told me that uh, you should get tested. Like maybe you have something wrong with you. And this is where the whole story of my diabetes started. I didn't know that I had diabetes back then. And uh, like, thank God till now, I have never been into DKA or any hypocomas or something. Um, but I believe the, the main challenge that we have, especially in the Arab world here, is that we grow up with diabetes in a community that knows nothing about diabetes. So the lack of education is the main problem. Yes, like let's say our parents can be supportive, but uh, in limited things and what they know, because they, know, they, don't, they don't know a lot about diabetes. So uh, I had to, you know, um, know a lot about diabetes. I had to learn a lot about diabetes uh, till I get to a point when I started my university. That was four years ago. Uh, and it was like a new challenge for me, a new chapter of my life. So I wanted to do more about diabetes. I wanted to change myself also in the diabetes perspective that I have. And I think that this was the, the turn point that I started to uh, educate more people about diabetes. I started to talk more about my diabetes. Um, I started posting things about diabetes. The whole university started to know who Muhammad is. He's a diabetic. He talks a lot about his diabetes. Uh, so it, it was like changing my whole like my whole mindset. Like being in an Arabic community uh, would mean that you don't really talk a lot about your diabetes or about anything that you have. Because you don't want people to talk about you and, you know, in, in sympathy or in empathy, you know. So I just wanted to uh, change all of this. I just wanted to let people know that I'm a diabetic. I, I study medicine. I can do a lot of things. Diabetes does not, you know, uh, forbid me from doing anything. Uh, so uh, this is where it started. And I believe this year, 2020, was the, the, the best year when it comes to diabetes for me. Yes, the world is having... Uh, a crisis somehow but um like i i knew all the people here that are talking with us today because of uh what we do because like using instagram only instagram made, made me know all of these people all of amazing people to be honest because i am very lucky to know them all and uh, this is where it all starts it all started any more raising awareness helping people more uh, i like i helped a lot of people because as, as you mentioned, your endocrinologist will only tell you what books say about diabetes. They won't tell you how the experience with diabetes would affect you or affect people around you. And this is where it comes to uh, the beer activities, the support groups that you might have to be able to talk to them, to be able to talk to people, as Yasmin mentioned, who understand the every, every perspective about diabetes. So... Um, yeah, this is basically what I had. Like, I overcome my challenge with I overcame my challenge with diabetes with talking to people who have diabetes just like me, who can understand what I'm going through. Okay, excellent. And Noor, what was it that launched your advocacy and and um, volunteer career? Because you started. I mean, how old when you were started? None of you are that old, and you've all done so much. So you must have started really early. 
Yeah, so um, my diabetes story started, um, it was very smooth sailing. My mom, who's, uh, I think on this call, hi, mama. Um, oh, nice. She took, <laughs> she, she, she managed my diabetes because I was diagnosed really young. Um, and it was all smooth, smooth sailing and uh, to the extent where the clinic and my doctor kind of, uh, everybody knew me as that model patient and put me on a pedestal. Um, until puberty kicked in and hormones and everything. And um, it was harder for me to manage my diabetes. And I felt like I was failing everybody. I was failing my doctor. I was failing my family. Everybody that kind of looked up to me because of how well my diabetes used to be managed. And I felt like I was doing something wrong. Um, So I started to hide things um, and how my diabetes was going. And um, things started quickly taking a turn for the worst. Um, And that's kind of also when I started to feel very isolated and alone in this journey. Um, I know things have changed um, significantly significantly since then, but there wasn't any community back then. And there was a lot of stigma associated with having diabetes. Um, So nobody's talked about it, even if they had it. Um, and it was, it was very isolating. So I just didn't want to deal with it. I was in denial. I kind of just wanted to brush it under the rug and make it go away. So, um, and that's when I kind of also figured out how to manipulate my insulin to help me lose weight. Um, and, um, as a result of that, I was in and out of the hospital a a lot. I was in a coma. I had multiple cardiac arrests, DKAs. Um, and that's when uh, my my family um, and the clinic decided that Children with Diabetes, the Friends for Life conference would probably be uh, a good place for me to go. Uh, I, was, I was in my early teenage years and I did not want to go. It kind of felt like to me, it was like, you know, um, forcing someone to be in that geeky science club um, <laughs> No offense to any scientists. I'm one of them now. Um, <laughs> so I just did not want to go. Um, but my mom forced me to go and it was the best decision. I remember the turning point for me was uh, we were on a bus. Uh, for those who, of you who don't know, the conference is held at Disney World in um, Orlando every year. So we were on a bus going to the park, Disney Park. And there was this kid uh, who's now one of my best friends. He had type 1 diabetes and he was kind of like... Um, the poster child for diabetes and like um and he was sitting there he was checking his blood sugar on his forearm and i was like his name was kenny i'm like kenny like why are you not using your fingertips he was like just in case um i ever develop complications like in my eyesight as a result of diabetes i want to be able to not have calluses and read braille and that was kind of a that was kind of that moment where I'm like, here I am sitting with an A1C of 13, not a care in the world. And there's this kid with an A1C of in the sevens, again, not judging according to A1C, that's a whole different story. Uh, But he's concerned about his life. And that kind of opened up my eyes to me needing to take care, better care of myself. And then at the conference, I also saw potential that people with diabetes have you know I saw these NFL players the Ironmans the 
singers, um, actors, and even like everyday people who were just living their best life, teenagers having good relationships with their parents. And that relationship was something that I damaged as a result of my mismanagement with diabetes and lighting and hiding and manipulating things. So I that's when I kind of wanted to change things. And I became involved with um, children with diabetes. And as my as life happened and my journey kind of evolved and I experienced more milestones, I became more involved with things like pregnancy and type one diabetes. Um, and these were just things that, um, selfishly I feel also helped stay accountable by helping people and brought me so much joy and just meeting amazing people. Um, like, uh, everybody on this panel and really that support is, something that's just unmet anywhere else in the world uh, with any other community. And it's opened up so many opportunities for me career-wise. And, um, and yeah, it's, so that's kind of uh, how my journey started and um, with things. So thank you for sharing that. That's, that's amazing. I think for each of you, I need to have like a whole hour for each one of you. So I hope that you'll come back because there's so many questions I have for everyone. And now a word from our sponsor. Dialogue, the Diapoint podcast, is brought to you by the Diapoint Shop. Diapoint is a place for people touched by diabetes. We support people through education, events, services, and advocacy, as well as with beautiful diabetes accessories sold in the D Shop. Visit diapointshop.com to see all of the wonderful, useful things that we have to support you in your health, wellness, and diabetes. We offer the highest quality possible and have tried or regularly use most of the items in the shop ourselves. Check out www.diapointshop.com now to get the latest in health, wellness, and accessories. Now back to the show. But I want to get to some of the questions that are starting to, to come in. And this, is, this one's from Selma. She's 11 years old, and she wants to ask, how do you, did you deal with diabetes with your classmates or friends? And how did you overcome being shy about it or any annoying comments from kids at school? Who'd like to jump um, in? Yasmin's raising her hand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, first of all, Salma, thank you so much for asking the question. I like, it's awesome that you're here and you're listening to all of us. Honestly, we, I think, I'm not sure about the rest, but I have been through some stuff in school where friends or even teachers would put me in very embarrassing situations. Like I had a teacher once, she saw me, it's Ramadan and everyone's supposed to be fasting, but I wasn't. So she took me in front of the whole like department, front of all of the girls holding my sandwich and like shaming me because I wasn't fasting. The, the, the pure yani the poor lady she she wasn't you and she didn't knew she didn't know that i had diabetes and like she apologized later and everything but um the thing that i did and i think my my family helped in this and i think my dad just tuned in is that they like they told me to own it like just own it that you have diabetes so it can be hard and some comments can be very harsh, but it makes us unique. <laughs> like diabetes really makes us unique. So just like on it. So what? So you have diabetes. So what? I'd, I, I'd rather have diabetes than to be stupid, for example, or <laughs> not 
stupid. I'd rather to have diabetes rather than to be unkind or cruel or, you know, so there, so diabetes is not the worst thing to have. I have an, an, a story to add. Actually, when I was um, about six years old or seven years old, I had a math teacher and I had a hypo in, in the class and she was addressing the question to me, to me and I, I, I got the answer in my head, but I couldn't respond because of due to a uh, lack of uh, being able to respond back. And she said, I'm going to call your mother the next day and I'm going to address that you are such a lazy student. And the next day my mom came to school and she said, your kid is not fit to be in regular school. He has to be shifted to schools of kids with uh, special needs. And actually at that incident, I started to hate math. Uh, because of that incident. And now when parents do come and talk to me about diabetes and what happens to schools, we usually get invited in schools because the mother uh, asked for that and addressed for that. And we have the material in Arabic and in English as well. So uh, we do do presentations with questions and answers and what kind of things to avoid and what kind of, and especially some students when they have examinations that they want to go to the restroom and they don't allow them to do that, um, which can be a critical matter during the tests and examinations. Excellent. We also, we have another um, question and where's this one? This is from Sarah T. Thank you for your time. It makes a difference listening and learning from people who are T1Ds. And my question is, have you, any of you experienced burnout and how did you manage to get out of that? Mohammed Saim, I'll jump to you. Uh, I, I, I just wanted to add something for the previous question as well. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, to be honest, I, I didn't. I didn't. I was not that open about my diabetes in mid school, and sorry, in elementary school and blah blah blah. But when I went to high school, it started to you know pop out more, uh, and I believe that I control or the, the diabetic himself control uh, what people would say about him, or what people would you know think about him when it comes to diabetes. Uh, if I'm gonna be like you know shy and uh, afraid of what might happen to me, it would be bad for them. It would be bad for me uh, when they talk to me about my diabetes. So I, I think that for me, I, I was, you know, more open about my diabetes in a positive way that, uh, it, not that, not, you know, this day, these days positive, but right now I'm very positive when it comes to my diabetes. I'm kind of loving my diabetes right now. This is uh, weird to hear from a diabetic, but yeah. And yeah, I guess, yes, it's all about the mindset. It's all about what do you think of yourself? Uh, and if you think positively, then people will also think positively because you will, uh, as I always say, you will radiate this positivity. So yeah, this is, this is how things happen when you're young. So yeah, I think you control this, you control it. Uh, you can help yourself more than what people uh, can help, especially if they're not diabetics. Great. And who would like to talk about burnout? Yeah. We all face burnouts. <laughs> well, yeah, David is, you know, can be challenging a lot sometimes. And um, there, there's a point in my life that I started, you know, we all face, you know, problems, especially females. But I believe like me, for me, uh, every two to three months, I get those three to four days of uh, hypers that I don't know why I'm hyper. I don't know what is happening to my body. Uh, and I saw, and I start like you know hating myself for for this. I start hating my diabetes. Like, why I'm doing everything correctly? I take my insulin. I I I, I 
carb count. I do everything correctly. What is happening to me? And even my, my endocrinologist wouldn't be able to help me. Uh, so I just had to wait for those like four days to, to pass uh, while taking insulin, as we say, like water. I, I used to take insulin a lot those days. Uh, so I think it, it, it is challenging. It is hard when, when burnouts happen. Um, but but I, as, I, as I said, it just you just need to talk to people. You just need to, to diabetics, especially, you know, people would understand uh, what you're facing. And of course, you know, you need to seek support whenever you are facing something wrong. This is uh, this is my advice. You, you just seek, seek the help that you might uh, you might need. Yes. Nora, I think you were going to add something to that. Yeah, um, I just want to say burnout is real, you guys. It is. It is, uh, it is huge. Um, in the diabetes world, there's a lot of research being done on that, um, on like the mental health aspect in regards to type one diabetes. Um, for me personally, though, I feel like um, every once in a while I go through extreme burnout, and as a result of something of the not so pleasant experiences I went through during my teenage years, I now understand the importance of kind of cutting myself slack and taking. Uh, a diabetes break. Um, I don't know if you guys heard that term, but it's something that um, a lot of uh, people in the diabetes community here use. Um, and it doesn't mean that my diabetes is going to go away or I'm going to ignore that my diabetes or I'm not going to take care of my diabetes. It's just basically um, saying that I'm going to cut myself more slack and not let diabetes be in the forefront like I always let it be um, just for a like just for a short while, two weeks. And that's like another thing to realize as well, specifically for the parents. I feel like I'll, because of the way that parents care about their kids, they always want their kids to be safe and within range and like perfect control 24 seven to protect them. Uh, but it's also important to realize that complications are a long-term uh, issue. And so for example, for me, um, usually my target range, um, again, this is not medical advice. This is for me personally, my target range is between 70 to 130 um, on a normal day. But when I'm going through burnout, I'll just stretch that out and be like, okay, I'm going to be totally okay with my range between being between 70 and 200. And I'm just going to let it be. I'm still keeping myself in a relatively safe zone, but it's not as tight of a control. Sometimes I take a pump break. I feel like it's not something that is a constant reminder. And depending on where I am mentally as well, some days I feel like I need to be more involved in the diabetes community to help me with my burnout. But then there are some days where I feel like I need to take a step from a step away from that. Um, given that diabetes is my career, my passion, my life, everything, sometimes it does get overwhelming. And I, I need to focus my attention on other things and kind of step away from that. Um, and another thing that is is extremely, extremely, extremely important, and I don't think it's emphasized a lot, um, especially in the Arab world, is it's okay to have um, professional help with mental um, situations. And it doesn't mean that you necessarily have a, a, a mental illness. It it's okay to have a therapist, someone to talk to, someone to help guide you. Uh, diabetes is 24-7. It affects every single aspect of your life. And it gets a bit too much sometimes. And it's and I think um, having a therapist there to who's specialized in chronic disorders, um, and if they happen to be specialized in diabetes, that would be great. Um, but it's good to have someone else's perspective as well um, to kind of validate your feelings. 
if so yeah, to speak. So. That's really great advice. And actually, we had a call uh, last week. Our first call in the series was with a psychiatrist who talked about exactly that and some of the challenges and stresses of it. Um, and that is recorded and up on our website, so you can go listen to that. Or if you're in the UAE and you're looking for some support, we can you know, recommend some qualified people that can help. And actually, you mentioned something, and Serene, maybe you could take this next question. Um, Miriam asks, what can we do as parents to help support our children become more accepting of their type 1 diabetes? And Miriam has two children with diabetes. One is 13, diagnosed at the age of nine, and others 18, diagnosed at the age of 17. And one, Nora doesn't like it when she mentions it or discusses it. So what is some advice that you have? Okay, so basically um, I'm going to talk out of my own experience. I was a lonely child and I developed diabetes at 14. And I had a lot going on in the back of my head, not just because of diabetes, because I, I kind of knew that I was a burden. Like I felt like, like a burden for my parents because now they have these extra expensive expenses and we come from a not so good economic background. So for me, that kind of made me not want to talk about it because I thought that if I talk about it, then I'd make my parents sad. Then comes the part where I was this super smart teenager, this geeky girl who reads a gazillion books. And now I, I like, I'm limited because I have this illness. These are all things that were going back, like in the back of my head. So all of these things made me hate talking about it, hate being asked about my numbers. I felt judged whenever I had like something above 150 because, you know, you're supposed to be in range all the time. And that puts lots of stress. So I don't know why your daughter doesn't like to talk about it. That It's probably good to kind of figure out why. If you can um, maybe get her to see someone who is a qualified professional, it would be better. But I can tell you that if she doesn't want to talk about it, about it with you, don't push, push her into it because I personally hated when my mom used to push me into talking about it. I, I, I started to lie. I started to fake my tests. I started to hide from it. And I went to burnout by the age of 16. So this is my personal experience. It doesn't have to be your daughter's, but I'm just kind of showing you how it goes. I think it's best that if she sees professional help because that is the best way to go and maybe it's good if she has diabetic friends because these would kind of lessen the burden like to have a community of people she can talk to she can join our whatsapp group if she wants like we have a whatsapp group with almost 20 people and we just talk and rant about our diabetes every single day just because we need to like because we know that we understand each other so my advice to you is don't push her into it um, maybe get her people who have diabetes and can maybe understand or relate to what she's saying. And maybe you should seek out professional help. Yes, Lynn's got her hand yeah, up. I, I want to add to that is um, for parents especially, Dad, I love you. This is not for you. Don't make your relationship with your kids, with your daughters and sons, only about diabetes. This is something that I've struggled with with my parents is especially my mom because she was the she was the one who's like giving me the injections and asking about my blood sugar 
don't make your relationship with them only about that. You're not their nurse. They, they, a nurse can do that. There are many other things growing up that we need to talk to, to you about other than diabetes, other than, than we ate or not, other than how much our blood sugar is, how much, like, did you take your needle? Did you check? Did you, it's, the relationship is not an, a nurse and someone who has diabetes. It's a mother-daughter, daughter-father relationship. So it needs to, that the other parts of the character needs to be explored. Ask them how they feel. Ask them how they're doing in school. This is one thing. The second thing is don't, as much as you can, I know that your heart hurts when they hurt. I feel that, but try not to show them because when you when we prick or when we take a needle or when we have the pump with us and you and the parents kind of go like ouch we go ouch as well <laughs> so try not to make it that way and then the thing that Serene also talked about and I've seen this with many of the adults that I know now who have diabetes is that on some level we we kind of feel like a burden and it's hard to push that out, out of your subconscious mind. Although I'm sure none of the parents here, neither my parents ever like told me you are a burden. That never happened. But on some level, I felt that me being diagnosed has affected the life of the family around me. So trying to be as normal as possible around your kids, talking about that's my dad. I was <laughs> just going to ask you. I think I'm going to cry. That's so sweet. Talking about, I love you too, Baba Haribi. Talking about other stuff. It's, it's important. Like when you talk about diabetes, like try to go somewhere else and talk about it. Don't talk in front of your kids. That would be. I have something to add. That's the, the final um, kind of thing I'm going to fill up today. And because I have to leave is when you ask your kids, when your kids leave the school or when they're out with their friends, don't ask them the first question, how's your diabetes? It's like I have a, let's say I have a pimple on my forehead and you keep on, it's like you having a pimple in your head and I keep on asking, how's your pimple? It's red today. It's white today. It didn't get, uh, you didn't get rid of it. It's the same question, but you ask it every day, every day, every day, every day. Why don't you make the question about diabetes once a day or once every two days? How is your diabetes? How things are going? Uh, How do you feel about uh, school? How do you feel about your friends? It's because diabetes is is always in the picture. It's like your son or your daughter is an artist or a dancer, or let's say uh, they love math, they love science, and you, you extract all of that and just put in the picture diabetes. Even kids, when if they need a psychological help, also parents, I do find parents, some of them need psychological help. They need sometimes to have the skills to communicate because some parents are really not good at being parents. They are really bad at being parents. And I, I've seen a lot of people going through that. It's how they communicate. Sometimes maybe the communication at home is completely different than what you see outside the house. It's sometimes... They can, parents can be very caring, but in, in the house, you don't know what's going on. That's one of the issues that actually is not being discussed and being talked about. It's very much important to know the communication skill at home. 
Number two, there are many books that talks about, like there is T1D uh, Teenagers is talking about the, the skills of parents and giving the responsibilities and how your kids should be in charge and how to work as team and how to be responsible about certain aspects of diabetes. Diabetes is considered to be part of their daily um, aspect of life. They're not considered to be the whole picture. Uh, thank you so much for this panel, but I have to leave and good luck, everyone. Thank you for joining, Mohammed. I hope to see you again soon. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Take care. Okay. Okay, we'll continue with the questions just before we have to um, wrap up. And someone also asked a question about being overbearing, and I think you all mentioned that. Um, Pam, can I just quickly add one thing before of we course. jump on the Yes, please do. So I think uh, one of the things as parents is realizing the importance of language that we use. And one of the biggest things that we always try to emphasize to our patients and our study participants is your the blood sugar, your kid's blood sugar is should just be a data point. It should not be associated with any um, form of judgment, any um, feelings or um, anything at all. You know, if your kid is 400, don't gasp and don't be like, oh, the place judgment, what did you eat? Or, oh my God, that is bad. You know what? 400 is just a number. Something happened. Let's just take our insulin, correct it and move on. So your kid doesn't associate. Um, th there's just a lot of feelings as a person with diabetes to unpack um, with these numbers. And you as a parent, uh, a parent is someone we always look up to and is our role model. And we look to our parents or the kids look to their parents to, to read kind of the the room or the situation so how you react to a number plays a lot into the mindset and the the and will affect the re relationship and how you deal with it so just try not there's no such thing as good or bad number it is just a number that will help you figure out the game plan moving on um so that's, language really really matters that's really great advice i agree with you about the language i have a follow-up question to that though what then would you suggest, let's say, you know, and, you know, a high number here and there, it, it happens for sure. And of course, as we discussed, burnout happens. How would you suggest that parents go about when you have, you know, your child's at that stage where they, they're responsible, you know, or taking control of their diabetes and you want to find that balance between them being consistent, consistently taking care of it versus just ignoring it where, you know, yeah. they want to become more independent. They want to do stuff. They want to, you know, be left alone about it, but you want to make sure also that they're safe. So mm -hmm. how do we, or how do you suggest that we manage that? Right. You know, because of course we don't want to nag them and we don't blame them for having type one diabetes, but if it's becoming mm -hmm. a challenge where, you don't feel you could let them, you know, go out to the mall with their friends safely because they're just ignoring it. And it's consistent. It's not like a, a one-time episode. Uh, what would you suggest? So with, with type 1 diabetes, like you're a kid with type 1 diabetes and a parent, it's, it's the same as an, any, diff, any other uh, relationship. It just has a very slightly different um, dynamics. I think it's very important to establish that relationship and make sure that you have an open and honest um communication channel to allow your kid to come to you even if they are having a problem which again is where um 
I emphasize the importance of language and um, how you address situations. So you want to allow a safe zone for your kid to be like, you know what, I haven't been taking my insulin um, the past week. I I am feeling like I don't belong or whatever. And they need to make sure that you're you're that safe space for them so they can be comfortable talking. And I know as teenagers, um, the frontal lobe is not developed. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's, it's not always rational uh, thinking. Um, But if you see like repetitive patterns, I think it's an important thing to bring up with the doctor and kind of allow them um, for lack of better term to be the bad person. um, So they can take lead on that. Um, If Again, if it's like more on the high side, then that is um, not something that it w- will affect them in a week or two. You know, complications are, again, long term. Um, so that's probably one approach to kind of help them. But also realize that um, mismanagement of diabetes or highs and lows sometimes comes with a whole other story behind it. It's not just it's it can it can be um physiological and something you can you need to adjust your insulin or insulin wasn't they weren't taking their insulin but even if they were their behavior patterns were not where they're supposed to be then there's usually a psychological reasoning behind it you know wanting to fit in or being embarrassed in class or not wanting to check their blood sugar in front of their kids or um burnout or you know I can go on and on and on. There's like a, a million things that can affect diabetes, but I think it really starts at the root of it is having um, that safe space for your kid to be able to have that open and honest conversation and you realizing that there is a time and a place for diabetes and it's not always everywhere and everything, even though diabetes <laughs> is everywhere and everything, you know, at all times. Um, but like a, a couple of them, like Hamad touched on, like it's picking up when you pick up your kid from from school and they get in the car that's probably not the right time or place to discuss that issue um or if they're going out with a friend again that's probably not the right place or time to discuss that issue so um also as parents i think it's very important to read the room um, for sure and for like, sure yeah. and get comfortable with silence sometimes you pick them up yeah. from school like hey how was school and then you'll get the that's okay and just don't ask any other questions. And then they'll, they'll probably talk eventually about something. Yeah, and I think happened. actually one thing I learned as a parent um, from one of the parenting classes that I attended, and I think, um, and now I share a lot with the type one di- uh, parents with type 1 diabetes, is um, so a very good way for you to get your kid to open up is to share your story. So instead of like getting, if, if, if you if they get in the car and you're like, how was your day? It's like, oh, okay. Or we didn't do anything. Um, tell them about your day and share the good and the bad. So they know that, so that trust and honest conversation goes both way. And they also realize, so a lot of times we also, as kids place our parents on a pedestal and you want your kid to realize that you know what we all mess up and we all we all make mistakes and that's okay and that makes them comfortable as well if they feel like they messed up they know that you know what mama also makes mistakes mama always also messes up sometimes so that must mean that it's okay for me to do it as well so that also kind of helps strong strengthens the relationship and um, allows that safe zone for them to be open about things. 
Great. Thank you. We have so many more questions and it's already after the hour. I don't know if you all are okay to stay on and answer just a couple more questions. Um, we'll, we'll just go through very quickly and I'm really sorry for that because I think, like I said, we could talk to you all all day. Um, Emily says it's wonderful to be a part of this group and see so many lovely people. Thank you for sharing your stories. She's had diabetes for 25 years, which she can't quite believe. And it's hit hard recently through COVID and being extra careful about social distancing and not going out. She says, I feel for the first time that diabetes is discriminating against me and what I can do. Can you relate to this? And how have you helped yourself? Like, because, you know, everyone talks about COVID and, and diabetes and, and even without diabetes, it's, it's smart to keep, you know, distancing socially. And this, this is difficult. How are you all managing social distancing? Um, I'd love to talk about the stigma part and the like the things we feel in relevance with diabetes. Like I feel as part of living in the Arab world, there are already so many question marks and like lack of education around diabetes and being a woman with diabetes to begin with, without COVID and everything, is so like it's it's a very like complicated thing. Like the first thing people will tell you is can you have kids? Can you live a normal life? Can you get married? Like these things are not acceptable to begin with. Like people don't have, um, they should not have the right to ask questions like this because they are very, they're hurtful, you know? Like, so to begin with, with there is a lack of education. With the COVID situation, people immediately like um, kind of associated um, COVID with diabetics dying, whereas, or like contracting it, whereas, if a diabetic does get COVID, they might have a higher risk of complications if not, they're not managed well, but otherwise they'll be fine. And, and I actually know several people who are diabetic who had COVID and they, they had zero symptoms, you know, but like automatically that kind of put us in a box. Like we're supposed to stay home, stay, um, like be afraid. Um, like we are just like any other person. We are just, at a higher risk of complications. So for me, I think it was even more important to talk about it. Like guys, just wash your hands, wear your masks and live a normal life. You don't have to live in the extra stress of what if I, what if I get COVID? We don't need that. Like we already have a lot on our plates as diabetics, we worry about so many things. So just don't, don't allow any situation to put you in a box as a diabetic. This is not something that limits you. You just have to know how to live properly with it. If it means taking extra precautions, then great. But don't let that put you like in a mental state where your content's like always worried or it's always in the back of your head. Live life, enjoy life, find joy, enjoy time at home, um, enjoy time with your husband, with your children, with your parents, Zoom with, with friends. For me, this COVID situation has been the best time of my, my life. I've literally done so much and met, met so many people and like have been out there virtually and I have never thought of what if I get COVID. If I get it, then I'll see what I do. But until then, I'm just living my life. Yeah, it's been great for, for connecting actually virtually. I'm going to go to the next question for the, the sake of time. Someone's asking, um, my son is so quiet about diabetes. He's, he never gets into conversation with me. And, and we kind of talked about it a little, a little bit um, with Miriam, whose daughter didn't, didn't want to, um, you know, really talk about it. Does anyone else have any advice? Is it different for boys and girls 
when they don't want to talk about it? Any, any thoughts about that? Um, I, I believe I, I can add to uh, what the guests have mentioned before. Um, all of the things that they mentioned would make the, uh, you know, the, the kid with diabetes uh, feel like his parents or her parents are understanding them more. So the more supportive the parent is, uh, the more open the kid will be. And, and I think this is something that I, I, like I, I live in right now. Like I, I still live with my parents. I'm 21, although that I'm 21. Um, but I, I believe that when my parents just like, you know, let me be by myself, um, you know, take the responsibility of my diabetes. Of course, they were like following up on everything that I do. They were asking. They were, you know, um, asking if they can help. Uh, just as we mentioned before, I was more open when I feel when I felt you know safer that yeah I can talk to my parents more about my diabetes and one thing that we just said uh, I think uh, Noor said it that the numbers are not to judge you can't judge by a number so uh, my parents never judged me before like because I'm high or because I'm having a low they were just like you know uh, you're feeling better right now. What did you do for this to happen? Can you, um, you know, uh, make yourself better? Can you help yourself? Do you want anything? Can we help? Uh, so I believe, you know, uh, being more supportive will let the kid uh, you understand more and uh, open up more about his diabetes. And I believe uh, when you are comfortable with your parents, you'll be more comfortable talking to the community uh, about your diabetes. And, you know, because if, if, if the internal environment in your home is good, this means that you'll be able to talk more outside. So yeah, more support. This is what I could suggest. Great. And I, mean, I just have a quick a quick uh, follow up on that. Um, I think that uh, gender really does um, d- does have a significant impact on um, how they react to things and how they de- develop relationships. And um, we uh, we see that in our clinic actually, especially with teenage boys. I'm not sure how old your son is. But with teenage boys, um, so we have two, um, we actually have more than two, but we have two main clinical psychologists who deal with type 1 diabetes um, kids. And we usually refer them to uh, the first one who happens to be female, um, just because she's the one taking the lead and the other one is doing more research work. And we've noticed that a lot of teenage boys, it's harder to get them to talk to a female physician. So the hard cases, we end up sending them to the male physician. And it seems just like instantly they just open up. They feel that someone understands them. It happens to be that the male physician also has type one. So that might be another added factor where they feel that he gets it. You know, he's a male, he has type one. So maybe finding someone and doesn't need to be a healthcare provider, someone in the community who has type one, who's a male figure, someone that they feel that they can, that can, someone that really gets it, that really understands them. And it's easier for them to open up. And if your kid is not, is still not open and receptive, then maybe um, he's also dealing with a lot of emotional um, baggage that comes with diabetes that he needs to process through because diabetes uh, diagnosis is a trauma. And if it's not processed properly, that can uh, manifest into a lot of other different behaviors. So um, that might be something also worth exploring. Great. And Sophia, who's 11 years old, has a question. 
She says it's similar to Zaina's question, but did you ever get left out of friend groups or games, etc.? And if so, how did you deal with it? Um, she also talks about her, her best friends are very nice um, about her having diabetes and they motivate her a lot. But there are still some rude students that say, you know, stupid things like, so if you don't eat sweets, you're going to die or you're so different from everyone else. How do you handle those situations? I can start with that. Um, I, I Thank you so much for being here. First of all, that's awesome. And thank you for asking this question. Uh, having diabetes, I know, makes us stand out sometimes in a way that we don't want it to stand out, especially sometimes you just want to blend in and fit in and feel, um, quote, unquote, you know, normal. Uh, but a lot of times it's also how we feel about ourselves. So it's really important for you to be comfortable and confident in yourself and know that diabetes can be um, one of the biggest blessings. It it makes you stronger. It makes you resilient. It makes you kind. It makes you so many other things that majority of your friends are probably not. And the fact that you are living life with diabetes says a lot about your capabilities and you living your best life and taking care of yourself and doing everything your friends do. I think that will also, um, reflect on the kind of person that you are you know people will look at you and be like oh mashallah she's amazing she i don't know plays soccer or she dances amazing she um whatever it is that you do even if it's just even if you don't have like one specific thing that you do like oh yeah she goes out with her friends she's happy she's healthy you know that that it that will that will help how you live your life will uh, most probably um, be how people will view you. Sometimes you will get the, those insensitive comments or those rude comments. And I think those, it's, it's also very important for us to change our perspective on how we view these comments. I used to get very defensive about it and be like, oh, that was so stupid. Like, and then I'd, I'd take a step back and be like, well, when I first was diagnosed, I knew nothing about diabetes. I didn't even know I had something called a pancreas, you know? So it could be a learning opportunity to be like, oh, seems like you don't know enough about diabetes. Let me educate you on one, two, three. And sometimes we don't want to be that educator. We don't want to be that advocate. You know, I just want to be me. Um, so you'd be like, you know what, maybe it's time for you to look up diabetes on the internet um, and kind of just step away from that conversation. You don't owe anybody anything. That's another thing to, to that's important for you to realize. You don't owe anybody anything. So if you want to advocate for diabetes and educate them, go for it. If you don't, just step away from that conversation. Um, just be you and be proud of who you are because you are amazing with and without diabetes. Um, yeah. Yeah. She's amazing. And she, I read down in the chat, she has big plans too. She wants to become a pediatric endocrinologist and I'm sure that you will be an amazing pediatric you endocrinologist. Go girl. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I see also Dr. Kadira has emphasized, she's also type one and she's emphasized that you know, burnout can happen. And at, at some point, you know, professional health is important. Um, did I get, uh, and someone says hello to you, Noor. I'm Lean's mom. I hope you remember us. You were such a great support for us at the beginning of diagnosis at the time when we needed it the most. So happy to see you here. 
Um, Pam, for a yes. burnout, I would also highly recommend picking up a book about diabetes. Like if you feel a burnout and you're you're grown and you're an adult like all of us, just I would buy a book about diabetes, even if it's just the basics. And I would go over them. And like also Noor said, um, during my yoga practice, whenever I practice yoga, I remove the pump and I give myself this 45 to one hour where I just like the sound of diabetes in my head is just not there. And I just like log off for an hour maximum. And I just, I'm without the pump. I don't feel anything connected to me and I feel free when I do so. So if you do have a practice where you can either if, like if you're on needles, then you don't need to do so. But if, if there's something connected to you, just remove it for a little bit and live freely, like eat whatever, even if you're craving something and you know that it's not ideally good for like a diabetic, but if you're really craving it, just go for it. It's okay. Mm, that's We're amazing human. advice. Yeah, <laughs> feel free. Of the day. What, and on the subject of books, do any of you have any favorite books about diabetes? Um, I have to think like a pancreas. Yes, I love that book as well. That actually, as a parent, that changed my my life and how I managed my son's diabetes. I had no idea what I was doing. And in the beginning when I found it, it was a lot of information. It was overwhelming, but it allowed me to understand what was happening and helped me know what questions to ask the doctor because I had no idea. I love that book. And um, Gary Schneider's great. Yeah, Dr. Kadir says the same thing. Think like a pancreas. Fantastic. So we know um, Yasmin's, when she's not advocating, she's doing yoga. And Noor mentioned powerlifting. What are some other hobbies that you guys do? Nothing diabetic related now. What, well, let's leave with some non-kind of diabetic questions. Or some non-diabetic answers. What are your other hobbies? What do you love to do? I can go if you guys want. Yeah, <laughs> go for it. Um, so basically, I've kind of made a routine that is out of my diabetes. I love to cook. And I love to connect with people on non-diabetes matters. Just to kind of talk about, talk about other things. Because diabetes... I think diabetes like has 18 hours of my 24 hours. So it's just, I have to find something else to do um, somewhere else. And I do love to practice yoga and meditate. I think it puts me at the state where I just kind of disconnect from everything just for that one hour that Yasmin talked about, where I'm not limited by anything. I just flow, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And it brings me back to sanity every single day. So it's worth it. That's beautiful. Mohammed. Yeah. Um, I, I also go to the gym. I power lift. Yes. And, and I believe this, any, any kind of exercise that we do uh, would be positive, would impact positively on our lives. So yeah. And, and I go very early. I go like at 6am to the gym, which is uh, crazy a bit. I know it's crazy, but uh, I enjoy like beginning my day positively. So the rest of my day would be great. Um I also like taking photos. I, 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 I love that. I don't only like it. And uh, a lot of our friends here would know what I'm talking about because I send them a lot of pictures that I take. And uh, yeah, I, I also, as I mentioned, go to med school. Um, I see a lot of people. Uh, I see my friends. 
Uh, and yeah, see about friends. Um, we, we were talking about uh, you know how to be you know better by surrounding yourself with people who would understand you. Like my best friend is a Taiwan diabetic as well. I don't know if he's watching right now or not, but uh, yeah, he's part of our group and our WhatsApp group. And uh, yeah, and I believe like being support, being surrounded with a supportive uh, friends or supportive group. And uh, one of this group is a type one diabetic would be, I don't know, this is the ideal for me. I'm, I'm very comfortable uh, when I'm around my friends. So yeah, uh, I don't know. I also have this amazing wall. I love talking about my wall, by the way. Uh, I don't know, you, you guys can see it, right? Uh, yeah. I, I love it. So, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a lot of photos uh, that I like, plus diabetes related uh, photos. I don't know if you could, could see good. Uh, is the camera around? I don't yeah, know. no, this we can see. Thing. This is about first insulin. A, a lot of diabetes stuff. This is um, I'm greater than highs and lows, which is uh, on my shirt right here. There. I'm greater than highs and lows. I love to embrace my diabetes. I talk a lot about my diabetes to others. Uh, and it's something that it makes me, you know, more powerful. So uh, I, have a, I have two T-shirts, two uh, hoodies. Uh, they're all, all about diabetes. So, you know, I love telling people about my diabetes and this makes me, you know, proud of what I'm doing. Wonderful. And that that is a, a really, such a great way to wrap this up, which I don't want to wrap it up. I don't want it to end, but we're 22 minutes past the time and I want to be mindful of the time. But I really just so much love and appreciate you all for being here and everything that you're doing all the questions that you've answered. Um, like I said to Mohammed, I, I hope that we can do this again. I'd love to have you all back here one-on-one -on -one because I'm, I think everyone has more questions for you. And also you have so much wisdom to share with us. So, so thank you so very much. Um, if you're not following us, uh, Diapoint on Instagram, and you're not following anyone from the panel, you can go to Diapoint.me and everyone is tagged there throughout the week. You can then find their Instagram accounts and start following everyone that was here today. Um, it's definitely inspirational and, and motivating. Um, even if you don't have diabetes, you'll, you'll learn something new every day. Um, and this, this has been an amazing session. I was so looking forward to it. I think today and tomorrow are my, my favorite sessions because we're actually getting to speak to people that are living and living well with, with diabetes. And I just want to say thank you all again. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Have a lovely day, afternoon, evening. Thank you for everything that you do. If you've been enjoying the podcast and you don't want to miss a future episode, please go to iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts and subscribe. Leave us a comment or leave us a review. It helps us to keep doing what we're doing. Or share it on social media or with a friend. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your support.